Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Vintage Church. I'm super excited that you're here. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us later on video, I'm super glad that you're here. I want to encourage you to get connected. My name's Stephen and I'm one of the pastors here. You were actually visiting on a very, very special weekend when we launch a brand new series. And I have been so excited about this new series we're calling Jesus is King, we're together over the next six weeks. We're going to be opening up the mysterious uh, apocalyptic book of Revelation, and we're going to be learning about how God wants to encourage us as believers now as we look to the future. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, It's very easy to find, it is the very last book in the Bible at the very end of the New Testament. You know, Revelation has no equal in the New Testament. No other book has provoked greater fascination than this one. It's profound mysteries, rich symbolism, powerful predictions, and imagery are unparalleled in all of Scripture. This is going to be a very fun, impactful, and really interesting study as we go through the fall. You know, I remember as a Christian, I had just given my life to Christ, and I was reading through the Bible, and I happened upon the book of Revelation for the first time. And as I started reading the book, okay, I started kind of like getting a little bit scared. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I had to sleep with the lights on for four weeks after I read through the book of Revelation for the first time. But you know, as I grew as a Christian, I realized that all scripture is actually not meant to scare those who believe, but meant to actually comfort uh, those uh, that have faith with a great hope for the future. As I matured as a believer, I realized that the book of Revelation is not meant to be scary, confusing. It's not meant to make us fearful about the future, but it's to give Christians a hope and a faith in the future. So I'm going to start with just a few questions. Have you ever opened the book of Revelation only to quickly shut it, feeling confused and uncertain? Are you unsettled by the recent economic, political, and civil unrest in our own nation and in nations around the world? Have you recently been asking questions maybe about the future you've never asked before? Like, could this be the end? Is this the season of the end that the Bible talks about? You know, you and I, we don't have to look very far uh, in our world to see that it's more unsettled than ever. For example, we're dealing with a global pandemic, massive civil unrest in our cities, threats from foreign countries and governments and regimes. Everyone seems to be drawing battle lines. And let's not even get talking about the wokeness that's completely upending our social and economic landscape. So you might be asking today, Pastor, why in the world would you open up the fall back to school season talking about Revelation? Why should you and I study the book of Revelation? I think that is a great question, and I have three reasons. These reasons are really going to serve as a foundation for our entire study. We're going to come back to these reasons as we get into some details and we get into some things we can clearly see. 
There will also be some things in this book that are kind of open-handed. We kind of think it might go this way, but how many of you uh, have, have looked, have walked with God uh, more than five minutes and you thought something would turn out one way only to realize God actually made it work out even better? Okay, so some of those are going to be open-handed. Some, some of those we're going to learn about the character of God, but these three reasons are really going to guide our entire study. We're going to come back to them. The first reason that we study the book of Revelation is preparation. You know, as your pastor, I want you to be prepared. Did you know the Word of God gives us a picture of things to come? It's called apocalyptic literature uh, so that we can be equipped and we can understand and realize what's happening around us. It's very important. It prepares us for the future. The next thing that we're studying the book of Revelation for is it gives us a great perspective. I love this book because it doesn't end. It actually is just the beginning for those who believe. It, it ends, but doesn't really end with the brand new heaven and earth that you and I were designed originally to live in from our very uh, creation. It is impossible to be afraid when you're focused on eternity as somebody who is a Christian and following Christ. Now, for some of you in here, you may be listening to this on video or you're in the room and you don't know Christ. Well, likely this probably will scare you a little bit, but I hope that it encourages you that when you put your faith in Jesus, you can be secured in your eternity. That's what perspective is all about. Look what Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says. Blessed is he who reads. I love this. Blessed, not scared. <laughs> okay, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written for the time is near. You know, people more than ever are asking about the future. Did you know the book of Revelation talks about the future? Chapters 4 through 22 spend a vast majority of the time talking about things that are still yet to come. You and I can be blessed by understanding this Book. The final thing uh, that we need to keep our focus on when we're studying, why are we studying the book of Revelation, is the book of Revelation gives us peace. Everyone say peace. It gives us peace to replace our anxiety about the future. As we read and we study this book over the next six weeks, we're going to be reminded over and over again, don't miss this, that Jesus, not world governments, that Jesus, not public officials or politicians, right? that Jesus is in control. That Jesus holds you and I and our world in the palm of his hand. For those of us that follow Jesus, that gives us great peace about the things which are to come. So I'm going to set some ground rules. Again, this week is really going to serve as a what and why, and then some ground rules for our series. There's lots of weird directions we could go. I promise you there's not going to be any weirdness. We're going to really stay on track moving through the big themes of this book. Okay, but there are some ground rules for our series. For example, although the book of Revelation is apocalyptic or future-oriented in nature, we've got to remember that it was written by the Apostle John as an encouragement to seven churches in ancient Turkey. Now, on the screen, I have here the map of these churches. These were literal places as John was pinning this book. It was written to churches as an encouragement. Okay, if you start feeling discouraged and scared, John wrote this to encourage believers who were immensely persecuted in ancient Turkey. Now, you need to understand that prophetic literature in the Bible always has three essential things that it does. It always speaks to something in the past, it speaks to something in the present, and it always speaks to something in 
the future, okay? That's very important. There's always three views of, of, of prophetic or apocalyptic literature. Here's what we see here. We need to remember that the truth's written to these seven churches about the things which are to come. Many have happened. Many are still yet to come. They still apply to you and I in the local church today. That's you and me. The book of Revelation is designed to give us hope today and to free us from the fears of tomorrow. That's the purpose, the theme of this book. Next, although the book speaks of the return of Christ, it is clear, this is very important, it is clear that no one knows the exact day and time. If you, if, listen, if you're visiting with us and you heard we were teaching about the book of Revelation, you, you thought to yourself, man, I finally want to know who the Antichrist is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you because I don't know. Look what the Bible actually says. Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 36. He says, but that day and hour no one knows. Look at this. Not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. This is very important. It is a hope, but our hope, right, is in God's hands. It's in God's timing. The Bible gives us indications of the season, but no human knows exactly the time. And beware of anyone who says they do. That always tends to lead believers astray. It's a ground rule. You might remember Y2K. You might remember Harold the truck driver who wrote, you know, six reasons why God's, God's returning in 1986, right? Okay, obviously he was wrong. Obviously those things didn't happen. This is very important that we don't know the exact time. Right, finally, one of the ground rules is important. Remember the theme of this book. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus reigns. And those who believe in him will what? They'll overcome. The theme of this book is not a book about the Antichrist. It's not a book about darkness. It's not a book about the devil. The theme of this book is that Jesus is in control, that he is the true king. And those who believe in him, put their trust in him, we will overcome. Look what Revelation 12 verse 11 says. And they, speaking of us, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Look at this. And they did not love their lives to the death. That's a physical death. We see past that to eternity. The truth is what he's saying here is you and I are living a prequel. How many of y'all love the Marvel movies? Come on. Like you love the Marvel movies. Okay, that, that's the, you, we're living a prequel, okay? We're, it's already worked itself out. God's not in past, present, or future. He's in all of it. God is. You and I in the present are walking these things out. Jesus is in control. We continue to follow him, and we're going to be just fine. The book of Revelation, again, was never meant to scare anyone. I don't know if you've ever grown up and you watched that movie, A Thief in the Night. I don't know if you remember that old movie, but it was like, I remember watching that movie, and I'll be honest with you, it scared the hell out of me. It really did. By the way, you can say hell. We're going to talk a lot about hell uh, in this series. Hell's mentioned in the Bible, okay? The truth is, the book of Revelation, for those who believe, isn't, it isn't meant to scare you. It's meant to empower and equip you. So in order to place the book of Revelation firmly in your minds, I'm going to give you some context, a little background. Revelation is the last book in the New Testament and is a letter, an epistle of encouragement from the apostle 
John. John, the beloved disciple, as he was often called, was probably the youngest of Jesus' disciples and was the only one of the twelve not martyred for his faith. Now, he was persecuted. At one point, he was attempted to boil him alive in, in oil, okay, but he survived. He lived his life and died at a ripe old age. John wrote this book while he was exiled, being persecuted by, his, uh, by, the, by Rome for his faith to the, in the Greek isle of Patmos. So he writes this kind of like as a castaway. You know, he's kind of castaway. I would imagine John was a pretty driven guy. And so God had to like get, allow him to go to a place where he could get some peace and quiet and really see uh, the future enough to write this. So he writes this on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, Jesus died and was resurrected around 30 AD. And yet the book of Revelation was written around 89 to 90 AD. Hence, as this book is written, John is probably between the ages of 75 and 85 years old. The book of Revelation is broken down into three key sections. Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 uh, shows us these sections. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place. Remember, I told you prophecy is always the things which were, are, and what will come. There's always three spots. This book is actually broken down in those three areas. In other words, what was, what is, and what is to come. The first section, the initial chapter, focuses in on the things that have already taken place as John was receiving uh, this prophecy. John is deeply burdened for the churches he oversees, and he's praying, and Jesus shows up on the scene with some encouragement. Okay, that's the first section, the things that were. In the second section, found in chapters 2 and 3, John is sharing the concerns and encouragements he received from Jesus Uh, With the seven churches that he leads, uh, some of them are admonished, some of them are rebuked, and some of them are greatly encouraged. By the way, we can learn a lot from those churches. We're going to talk about them next week. Okay, now in the third and final chapter, in chapters four through, I'm sorry, in the third and final section, rather, in chapters four through 22, Jesus gives us a picture, an idea, this is important, it's not a Google map, okay, it is not exact coordinates, But he gives us an idea of the things that are to come to include the great tribulation, the rapture, the battle of Armageddon, and the great white throne judgment. Now, speaking of those, let me give you a little bit of timeline based on my research that kind of outlines this book. This is also printed in your notes. If you're watching this later online, you can get our notes by downloading the Vintage Church Uh, mobile app. If you're here today, we actually have notes available as you walk in uh, to any of our locations. But here's a brief timeline of the events uh, that we're talking about here. If you can click click over to the events timeline, uh, that'll be great. Okay, as you can see, there is a lot going on in this book. Okay, we printed this for you because I'm not going to leave this up the entire time, but we are going to cover these areas. For example, right now we're in the church Age from the moment Jesus ascended on the Mount of Olives to now and forward, okay, people are getting saved, the church is being built. Okay, the church age ends at the rapture. It begins, uh, it begins really seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half are years of deception by the person of Antichrist. The last three and a half years of the Antichrist reign is really God's judgment, uh, God's wrath. Then we have this great battle. Uh, we have Christ's reign on earth for a thousand years, which culminates into a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there's a lot of things here. We're not going to dissect every single one of them. We're going to give you great themes. I want to encourage you to open up this book on your own. There are some main characters, and I want, to pay, I want you to pay attention to in this book. Okay, For example, there's John. He serves as the messenger and the host. Think of this as, a, as a characters in a book. John is the messenger. He is the host. 
He's kind of like uh, Ryan Seacrest. Come on. Okay, he's kind of taking God's people uh, through this prophecy. Okay, and, and then there are some other key characters. There are the seven churches found in chapters 2 and 3. Okay, we, we learn about the dragon, which we know as the devil. We will go on to look at the two beasts, one being a counterfeit Christ political leader, the second beast being a counterfeit Christ religious leader. We will also address the two witnesses found in chapter 11. They come in the spirit and power of Moses and Elijah to Jerusalem during the tribulation. Okay, we will then learn about the harlot. She's this mysterious figure that seeks to lead the church into spiritual and or sexual adultery. We'll talk about her as well. There's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about. Okay, we're going to introduce a lot of things to you, especially if you're just following Christ, you're going to learn a lot about the future, a lot about the word, okay? But don't forget this, the superhero of the entire book is Jesus. Although they are characters, the superhero is Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 2 sets the tone for this by saying this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, okay? Of which God gave gave him to show his servants, that's us, the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. Look at this. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remember, the full name of the whole book we see is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the end-all, be-all. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. When the book opens in chapter 1, we find John on the Isle of Patmos concerned for the persecuted church in Asia Minor under the cruel rule of the Roman emperor uh, Domitian. Note the situation here. Christians are being oppressed. They're suffering all over the known world. Just watch the news today and you'll see that persecution of the church is at an all-time high. In places like China, people are literally being martyred for their faith. In these Islamic countries, they're being literally killed for professing Jesus. they're, They're underground. They're hidden. They're in places in Africa. They're also being persecuted all over the world. Caesar Nero was this this emperor here uh, during John's day that notoriously persecuted the Christians of Rome around 63 AD. Caesar uh, Caesar Domitian brought that persecution empire-wide in 90 AD. Domitian was beloved by the masses and looked most favorably on those who recognized him as God. All who refused to claim him as God were severely Persecuted, they couldn't work, buy, or sell within the empire, and they were often ostracized, beaten, and even killed. So we see here, John's writing this, there is a present Antichrist type. Okay, so during the rest of our time uh, and out of chapter 1, we're going to answer who is Jesus and what is he doing. Because remember, this is a revelation about Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I absolutely love this passage. John opens up because he knows not just then... Okay, but even now, we can get so wrapped up into everything that's going on in this book that we lose sight, all right, that this is a blessing that we understand. It's meant to give us peace. And so what he does is he starts off not with the revelation of things to come, but a revelation of things that have been and are. He talks about Jesus. Remember, the full name of this book was a revelation of Jesus 
Christ. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And I want to talk to you about some things that are revealed right up front. This is a revelation about Jesus Christ. What's the first thing that we see? The first thing that we see here is Jesus is truth. This is very, very important in our world. Jesus is truth. Look what he says in Revelation 1.5. Jesus Christ, the faithful, the truthful witness. Culture all around us is shifting, saying things like truth doesn't exist or you are the center of your own world. Culture tries to redefine truth and yet it doesn't move. Why? What is truth? It's Jesus. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, look at this, full of grace and truth. If you're in here and you're looking for truth, look no further than the person of Jesus. Remove yourself from the throne of your life. Surrender your life to him. I'm amazed and saddened at conversations I've had today where people uh, admonish, well, there just is no truth. And yet, here Jesus stands. He is the truth. He is our true north. The first revelation we have is Jesus is truth. The next one is Jesus isn't just truth. He's life. Look what it says in Revelation 1.5. I love this. Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead. Because Jesus Christ conquered death when he was resurrected, every one of us who bear his name and have accepted him as our Lord, we also are alive in him. He was the firstborn, but he wasn't the lastborn. You and I can be born again into a new life because Jesus went first. Jesus was the first to be raised from the dead, never to die again. He did what no other one has ever done. He defeated death. He conquered hell and the grave. He left it vanquished in our life. He's the life and has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He says this in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We learn that Jesus is truth, Jesus is life, and finally, this is very important. We learn that Jesus is king. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is is king. That's what we're going to learn here. That's what we learn right on the onset. We see this in Revelation over and over again. Many times, just in the first chapter, he's the king who was, who is, and who is to come. The alpha and the omega, the past, present, and future wrapped into one. Jesus is the sovereign king of the world. Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Every president Every king, every ruler, every Caesar, every leader has Jesus as their king. Jesus is in control no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, and no matter what we experience. Jesus is the sovereign king of our past, our present, and our future. He holds our future. That's very important as we talk about this revelation of Jesus Christ in this foundational message as we kick off our series. And so that leaves us with the question as we close... What do we do? He holds our future, but for now, what do we do? Well, according to chapter 1, we, the first thing is we do not fear. You and I are not called to fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Revelation 117, but he, had, but, but he laid his right hand on me, John, says, and he said to me, do not be afraid. This is Jesus to John. I am the first and the last. He would say the same thing to us. Do not be afraid, for your deliverer is coming and is the first and the last. Here we see the power of Jesus' gentle touch. Jesus came up to John. 
and laid his hand on him. I'm about to show you some things that could scare you, but do not be afraid. Because that which I started, I will complete. That's the story of the book of Revelation. With Jesus' hand on us, we don't need to be afraid. He's in total control. He's victorious. Fear not and stand strong. The next thing that we should do is we should resist conformity. I'm going to say it again. We don't fear, but we don't just put our head in the sand. We've got to learn to resist the culture around us. We're to be in this world, but we're not marked by this world. We need to learn to press back on the pressures to conform to the values of society that contradict Scripture. We do this by surrendering to the one who gave himself totally to us. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. In other words, they knew that there was more than just this physical world. They didn't value their physical bodies over their eternal destination. Know that this world and its values are all shifting and passing away as we're going to learn in this series. But the way of Jesus in the kingdom of God lasts forever. Let's look at one final passage as we close. Revelation 1, 14 through 15. It says here, His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I want to close with one final question in week one as we prepare our hearts for what God's going to speak to us in this series. Do you know and stand in awe of the awesome, glorious, powerful Jesus portrayed in these verses? Here we see that while Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb, a baby in a manger, died on the cross, rose from the dead, when he's coming back, he's not coming that way. He's coming as the conquering king of the entire universe. And here's my question to you as we jump into this series. Here's my question. Do you know him personally? Have you given your life to him? When he comes, will he recognize you? Let me pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in and through us in this series. I thank you, Father, that we should fear not. For you are the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You love us. The work you started in us, you will complete. Right now, Father, I pray for everybody within the sound of my voice, whether it's in the room or they're watching this later, perhaps after the rapture, nobody's here. I ask this question. If they died, would they go to heaven? Do they know you? I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw all those who have yet to surrender their life to you, to your feet that they would find true and lasting eternal life in you that's better than anything this world has to offer. I pray that, Father, as they surrender their life to you, you would hand it back to them better than before. I pray, Father, for those of us walking through this series who really haven't really understood what an eternal perspective is, I pray, God, you would, by your Holy Spirit, give us one. That, Father, everything we say and do would bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, 
We would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.